worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Big football game this Saturday night on the road for the Buckeyes. They are at Wisconsin. 7.30 is kickoff here on WHBC. And we wanted to get uh, a preview of this matchup and also talk about what's going on in Ann Arbor with the alleged cheating scandal, sign stealing up there at Michigan. So let's go to the hotline and bring in the outstanding Buckeyes beat reporter at Bucknuts.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Steve Hellwagon. He is Steve Hellwagon. And Steve, let's start first of all, uh, if you don't mind, with the win over Penn State and get your thoughts on how that game unfolded and, and what your takeaways were from that 20-12 to 12 victory by the Buckeyes. Well, it was a great defensive effort, I think, by Ohio State. Really, both teams played outstanding defense, and that was kind of what it was billed as with both teams coming into the game statistically in the top five nationally uh, defensively. So Ohio State uh, did not allow them to convert a third down until the final minute of the game. One of 16, finally, is what it ends up for Penn State. And uh, you're going to win a lot of games when uh, you when you stop the opposing uh, team on, on third down 93% of the time or whatever the, that computes out to. So, uh, to me, that was most impressive, that they had a great plan on how to contain Penn State's running game and never let Drew Aller get much of anything accomplished. Uh, he threw the ball 44 times. Uh, much accomplished uh, throwing the ball. So, to me, that was the big thing. They had just enough offense uh, to win the game. Marvin Harrison Jr. had uh, just another amazing performance, 11 catches, 160-some yards and a touchdown. And, uh, you know, you got Marvin on your side, you got a chance. So, Marvin in that defense, those, those are the, that's what we're selling this weekend, Marvin in the defense. <laughs> it was electric in Columbus on Saturday. I mean, they had that stadium rocking. They had it going on before at the skull session. And, Steve, my question is this, going back to the Penn State game, and you look at these teams and the opponents that they have played, and a lot of people think maybe Penn State was maybe overranked. Are they a little bit overrated, do you think? Well, yeah, I think. I think the problem is you can only play the teams that are on your schedule and you do the best you can to put together the best schedule. And I think some of this is going to be alleviated in the future by adding, you know, more football schools to this league and having the true football schools playing a few more games against one another. So uh, I think you're going to see more quote unquote marquee matchups Mm -hmm. in conference because you know, the fact of the matter is you could probably still get in the playoff at nine and three or 10 and two, no problem a lot of times if you have the right win. So to me, I I think what they ran into was they hadn't been in anything like this against Mm -hmm. a team like Ohio State. Nobody had played defense like that against them. So, uh, you know, they put up 44 points a game against that ragtag schedule the first six games. Well, Ohio State's got better players than all those teams combined, you know. Mm -hmm. So you look at it, and uh, they, they just kind of, weren't ready for the challenge that Ohio State's defense posed for them. 
It's really interesting, too, and maybe it's because we don't give Ohio State enough credit because of the slow start against teams like Indiana. Maybe this team is starting to peak, and if they are, is there any chance of maybe a letdown in their minds after beating Penn State, or is it business as usual? We beat a team we were supposed to beat. On to the next one. Let's go to Madison, and let's handle Wisconsin. JT, I think you're on to something there because my past history uh, watching Ohio State and this team perform, uh, you can have a letdown after a big win, and it's college football, and they're 18- to 23-year-old kids. They're not robots, and uh, after an emotional, physical game like Penn State, to come back and have to go on the road to Madison, a place none of these kids or Ryan Day have ever been on a game day, and one of the the best environments. I've been to all these places multiple times, and I'm going to tell you the best two in the Big Ten are Penn State and Wisconsin. Nebraska's right there. I'd put Ohio State in the top four as well, and – they're, they're in for – there's going to be some wide eyes walking into that stadium on Saturday night, you know, regardless of how good the opponent might be. And I, I think that, you know, Wisconsin's a decent enough opponent to make this a game. Uh, you know, they've got some injury issues, obviously, they're dealing with. But uh, you're right. You win a game like Penn State, you're ready to take the next couple of weeks off, you know. And you can't do that. you got to go right back to work and uh, play a quality team in their stadium one of the best environments in football. And, uh, you know, I've seen undefeated Ohio State teams lose there. Defending national champions in 2003 lost the night game up there. Lee Evans from Bedford uh, caught the out and up against Chris Gamble. Yeah. They won that game. And then uh, 2010, they had Terrell Pryor. They were the number one team in the country for exactly one week. They went up there and lost 31-18. to 18. They were undefeated. Yeah. So I think it was David Gilreath may have returned to kickoff for a touchdown in that game for Wisconsin. So, uh, you know, the last two times Ohio State's been there, 2012-2016, Ohio State got out of there with seven-point wins in overtime. So that'll Ooh, tell you <laughs> both times how difficult it is to go into Madison and win a game. Steve Hellwagon, our guest, happy to have him with us uh, each and every week talking Ohio State football. Follow him on Twitter at Steve Hellwagon. Bucknuts.com is the website. Uh, And, Steve, um, as far as injury updates go, I know Ryan Day spoke with you guys. He does so either Monday or Tuesday early in in the week, right? And he was optimistic on some of the walking wounded, but haven't we heard that before uh, about some of those guys. So what is the latest on, on uh, Abuka and um, uh, Trevion Henderson and anybody else that didn't play last week? Yeah, Denzel Burke as well, the cornerback. Those are the big three who really are three of their top seven or eight players if you really get right down to it, Abuka, Henderson, and Denzel Burke. And they beat Penn State, a you know, top ten team, without three of their top eight or nine players is what I would look at it. And that's a that's a quite an accomplishment, I think, for them. So maybe they'll play better football going forward if they get one, two, or all three of those guys in there. Uh, the hope was that they would be able to practice beginning yesterday on Tuesday. We're going to meet with Coach Day again after practice today here in about two hours, and uh, maybe we'll be able to get a little better gauge whether or not that has, in fact, happened the last couple of days, which of those guys has been able to answer the bell. And uh, they are hopeful that all three will be in the lineup on Saturday. So I guess we'll find out as the week wears on uh, if they were successful 
and getting you know any of those guys back, but they would really impact the bottom line, particularly Henderson. We all watched the game. Ohio State could not run the football against Penn State. Now, Penn State, let's give them credit, very good defensive team, came in number one in the country against the run. And Ohio State uh, didn't net very many yards uh, running the football. And really, it's been a recurring theme. Uh, You know, they tried to chip Trayonum early, Mayan Williams in the middle two periods, and then went back to Trayonum at the end. Never put Hayden in the game, which was very puzzling. And, uh, you know, Henderson may be the guy that could energize this thing if uh, he's healthy this week. But, uh, you know, they tried things like running the option with Mayan Williams to the outside. Had they run that with Hayden, it would have been a 20, 25-yard run because it was blocked perfectly with Williams. He was lucky to get back the line of scrimmage. He got four yards. So, you know, it is what it is. Uh, You can only play the guys you have, but – you know, I can't get a read on whether they want to play Hayden or not. Seems like you said Tuesday that they were going to try and maybe get him in there again this week. But to me, last week would have been the time to right. use him. Maybe you win that game comfortably. Mm-hmm. You know, who exactly. Knows? That that's a great point, Steve. And what about it? Backup quarterback with Devin Brown reportedly out now. Who's the 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 guy that takes the next snap? Should Kyle McCord go down with an injury? Yeah, they were having some real promising things happen with Devin Brown down on the goal line, but he got folded up, you know, on that run down to the one-yard line. Yeah. Three guys hit him, and he ended up injuring his ankle, it seems like. And uh, he's going to be out two to three weeks, maybe with a high ankle sprain, it sounds like. So if he can't, you know, obviously he's not going to play. So if something were to happen to uh, McCord, the next guy up is Tristan Gevia, the guy who's, who started maybe seven or eight games in his previous career at Oregon State uh, before coming in. Uh, he may have started against Oregon uh, a year or two ago as well for Oregon State. So he's played some big-time football, you know, for the Beavers, you know, in the last couple of years and uh, has not played, to my recollection, even one down so far this season for Ohio State. But uh, he'd be the next guy up. Lincoln Keenholz is a true freshman. He's a good athlete. They may put him in the Devin Brown role down on the goal line. But this is not the week to do that unless the score is 44 to nothing. So uh, Great point. Let's, let's save the experimenting for Michigan State when it's 56-3 to three in the fourth quarter or something. You know, let's, mm-hmm. let's, uh, let's don't uh, put a young guy out there to make a mistake in a critical moment. The exception of Marvin Harrison Jr., obviously this defense is the strength of this Buckeyes team this year. And Steve Hellwagon, the last couple of weeks – Browns played the 49ers, then I watched them again, I guess it was Saturday or Sunday or Monday night, whatever it was, when they played the 49ers. My point being, I got to see Nick Bosa play two weeks in a row, and it reminded me how great he was when he was wearing the scarlet and gray. Do we have the next Nick Bosa on this defense, or is it the sum of all parts? Because JT Tuamolau, Tyleek Williams, maybe Jack Sawyer, are we starting to emerge? Are we going to have another top defender or just a top defense? Because I'm fine either way. Yeah, you make a great point. If Tui Maloal can continue on the path that he's on right now, which is making game-changing plays, you know, with a little bit more regularity than we saw in the first four or five games, then he's going to be that guy. As a team, they accumulated four sacks this past week with a couple of the young guys, Caden Curry and Kenyatta Jackson and Sonny Styles. All three of them had a sack, and uh, they're all in their first year really of playing on defense. So, uh, to me, that's exciting that some young guys are starting to uh, to bridge that gap and become difference makers 
in a game matching two top 10 teams. If they're able to do that against a team as good as Penn State, they should be able to do it against anybody on the schedule. So uh, they're building confidence with the guys up front, uh, Tui Malo, Alan Sawyer, and uh, Tyleek. Those are the three, you know, primary guys. And then everybody else just kind of fills in around the edges and does their job when they're called upon. So that's starting to turn a little bit in Ohio State's favor, I think. And if they're able to get some pressure, you know, this week against the new kid, Brayden Locke is having to start at quarterback for Wisconsin because Tanner Mordecai is out with a broken hand. If they can get pressure on him and maybe create some sacks or turnovers, that would be, that would be huge, no doubt. Steve Hellwagon, our guest, breaking down the Buckeyes. Uh, they are number three in the country. They are undefeated. They are on the road this week at Wisconsin, 7.30 kickoff here on WHBC. And, uh, Steve, who has surprised you this year from, from the Buckeyes? Okay, we uh, hey, we're focusing on uh, uh, Marvin Harrison and Kyle McCord and JT Tuomaloau and that. Uh, give me a name on offense and maybe defense that has stepped up and surprised you in a positive way for the Buckeyes. Hmm, that, that's hard because it's mostly a veteran-laden team. I think Kate Stover and his uh, participation okay. on offense, you know, I think four catches for 70 yards here the other day, two long ones in the second half when they needed, you know, to move the football, flip the field position, add some points. He had two big plays uh, in that game that helped uh, helped him add some points there in the second half. So, you know, we knew about him, obviously, but for him to now be – the number two receiver on the team with Igbuka out, he's moved past him. You know, I would think Igbuka, if he's healthy, will regain that spot, you know, once he comes back on a weekly basis. But uh, he's stepped up into that void. I think that's one. On defense, that is a good one. I would think, um, man, I think Burke, you know, when he's been healthy, has played at close to an All-American level. Tommy Eichenberg has been up there. He was named on some midseason All-American teams. Tyreek Williams is kind of taking his game and, and, and transcended it, I think, a little bit. And uh, he was a happy-go-lucky guy last year as a sophomore. I think the green light, you know, has gone on for him this year. And uh, there's a lot of people taking notice of the disruption that he's created in the middle of the defensive line. So I guess I would go Tyreek Williams over on, okay. on defense. He has the, been the... a guy who really stepped up. Okay, the guy that I was going to throw in there, and I'm not seeing them on a, uh, you know, I guess semi-daily basis like you are maybe at practice or talking to them or seeing the games in person, but the guy on defense that really has stood out to me is Josh Proctor. I I think Josh Proctor is playing his best football, and I'm just wondering, does it look as good in person as I'm seeing on TV, or am I only seeing the highlights of what he's doing? No, he's played outstanding down-by-down football. Hardly comes off the field. And had a big stop, I believe, on a third or fourth down uh, here in the game uh, this past week against Penn State. And uh, to me, he is is playing outstanding. He may have only had four tackles in the game, but uh, a couple of them were very meaningful, you know, in those money-down situations where he crashed in near the line of scrimmage and, and, and stopped the ball carrier or whatever it may have been. Uh, you know, he had the pick six that kind of changed the Maryland game, kind of got it going in the right direction. And uh, yep. so, yeah, there's there's been a lot there that you like about Josh Proctor. And he's playing at an all-Big Ten level, I would say, at this point. And, uh, again, 
you know, you're seven games into it, uh, the, the five games down the stretch here, and the biggest one at the end with the University of Michigan all loom in front of this team, and we'll see if they can finish it off. All right, Steve, Steve Hellwagon from Bucknuts.com. You mentioned that team up north. Perfect segue. I know. I was just looking at Bucknuts. I know you didn't write the article, but it's out there. What What are your thoughts on, I guess we're going to call it the cheating scandal now, right? The alleged cheating scandal. Alleged. All right. Alleged, alleged yes. cheating scandal. Well, you know, uh, you read more and more drips and drabs come out about this, and this guy, Connor Stallion, who was uh, at the Naval Academy, I guess, and a Marine, and then got hooked up with Michigan football. And they labeled him originally, this is Michigan's word, not anybody else, a low-level staffer, you know, on the recruiting staff. But then that kind of belies the fact of all the pictures and video of him standing right next <laughs> to the coordinators, offense and defense, and yep. telling them what the other team's about to run because he's just deciphered the, the on-field signaling. Now, stealing signals in and of itself, not a crime, not against the rules. It's gamesmanship. You know, it's just part of uh, Ohio State went through this with Clemson and Brent Venables a few years ago. Uh, they changed up their signals when they played them in that playoff game in 2020, and Clemson was chasing air, you know, and Ohio State blistered them. So, you know, that was kind of a fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, shame on you type situation. This is entirely something different. This I don't call this the sign-stealing scandal. I call this a spying scandal. You're not allowed to go off campus, go into other stadiums, and surveil you know, what the other team's doing with videotape and whatever, and take that videotape back and decipher it and you know, come up with this elaborate uh, you know, sheet that tells you what's coming from the other team. That's not legal. They outlawed in-person scouting in 1994. So this is not something that anybody has been involved in doing at the college level in 30 years. And to me, it just strikes the heart of the competition, the integrity of the competition. If, uh, you know, Channel 10 here in Columbus has a videotape of D.J. Stroud at the line of scrimmage last year against Michigan. He looks to the sideline for the signal, and you see this guy with the defensive coordinator in the background, and they're all screaming, pass, 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 pointing to the sky when the signal was made, you know, it, it's just, it, it's too much evidence to say, Oh, there's nothing there. And yet, you know, I think the NCAA and the big 10 are still trying to connect all the dots. Michigan had an open week this week. Um, you know, theoretically the big 10 and the NCAA probably went in there and talked to whoever they could talk to, to get whatever information they could. And uh, you know, there's no excuse. All they're playing a the game this week. They can't talk to coach Harbaugh or whoever they had an open week. So uh, this was the week for them to get to the bottom of it, and we'll see if they did. But, uh, you know, if what's alleged is true, they need to be declared ineligible. That's just the fact of the matter. It'll be interesting. Stolen wins, it's mm-hmm. still gotten games. And, uh, you know, it's just not right. It's just not right. So that's my, that's my take, and I'm sticking to it. I believe in it as well, and it's amazing because it's something that starts off so small can end up so big. It's going to be interesting to see how this thing really does. It's not an isolated incident either. It's many games. Many yeah. opponents over multi years. Yeah, you know, and it's Not amazing that it's taken this long to we break. Did it just for Ohio State. Yeah. We did it for everybody. They were trying to scout Ohio State and Penn State yeah. at the game this past week. They had tickets purchased on both sidelines to watch both of their rivals. Now, you know, whatever, you know. It was brought okay. to my attention that those seats were not occupied. Can't prove exactly. it. Don't know. 
But, uh, again, Steve Hellwagon talking about Buckeye football and everything uh, that goes in line with everything, including an alleged cheating scandal at the University of Michigan. We'll continue to monitor that. Steve, that team up north played Michigan State, blew them out handily over the yep. weekend. They're playing great football. And we have now beaten two teams that were ranked in the top ten. Are you surprised that Ohio State didn't move up in the AP poll? Well, I think it's the dominance of what Michigan's put on the field. I think if you just took took away the fact that they may or may not have had some unfair advantage, what they've put on the field has been outstanding. They've put, you know, back to the halftime of the Rutgers game, four and a half games ago, they have played light out. I don't know what the score is. I'm going to presume it's like 200 to 30 or something like that in that four and a half game stretch. So, you know, they, they have just blown people out. I know the opponent's, haven't been the best. I, I understand that, but they are playing at a level that you know we don't normally see here in the Big Ten. So uh, you know they're playing you know head and shoulders above everybody else. Their schedule's backloaded. They play Penn State, Maryland, Ohio State the last three games, and that's when the rubber has to hit the road for this team. I mean, they're. I think they're going to be fine. I think they've got a pretty good team, and uh, based on what I saw with Penn State, even playing the game at Penn State, I'm not sure. The Penn State's going to generate a whole heck of a lot of offense against that Michigan team. But, you know, that's why they play the games, play them on the field. So we'll see when that week comes. But, uh, I, you know, it's all going to come out in the wash. We can argue about the rankings here on October 23rd or 24th, whatever. But when Ohio State and Michigan play each other, one's going to have more points at the end of the day, and that'll be the better team. So, you know, rank them however you want today. It, it really is immaterial. Last thing, and we'll let you go, Steve Hellwagon. Um, if this indeed is true, okay, uh, and Harbaugh has already denied um, uh, any involvement in it, right? Yeah. The cover-up's always worse than the crime. If Trestle got let go for, for Tattoo Gate, uh, th- that means Harbaugh then has to be let go if this is true, doesn't it? I think so, because this strikes at the integrity of the competition. And yeah. you can't portray yourself on any kind of moral high ground when you have a, an elaborate, illicit cheating mechanism in place i just i don't know how you can do that so the first step in healing is a, is a clean break and honest to goodness you know if this thing unravels they could be back to four and eight and losing to Lido before we know it and uh you know that's that's the fact of the matter so they got a real problem on their hands and uh if the ncaa and the big 10 find enough to throw the book at them and you know there's 13 other schools in the big 10 that are calling the commissioner and saying we want something done about this, then uh, kind of hard not to act. So, um, you know, you, you can't it, – it, it, they've been in the playoffs the last two years and won the last two Big Ten championships. I can't yeah. say that it's all because of the cheating because they had good players and they won the games on the field. But, my goodness, it just it, – it, I don't know. It, it doesn't look or feel right to me. So, you know, I'm trying to remain as – uh, unbiased about it as possible. But, you know, if this was Ohio State that was accused of this, I'd be saying the same thing. It's, mm-hmm. it's just not right. It's just people pay their money to go watch these kids play. People, you know, this is the other side of it. People gambled on this thinking it was all in the up and up. Well, yeah. it may not have been. So, Steve, they, uh, they went from two and four in 2020 yes. to back-to-back Big Ten championships, yes. right? And where there's back, smoke, back there's back. fire, and, and so that yep. that's why JT and I both uh, we don't have any yep. information, we don't have, but too good, too uh, common sense. Yep, too good, too quick with yep. same type of recruits, and you know whatever.
Yeah, we'll, we'll see, see how it plays out. Hey, Steve, safe travels to uh, uh, Wisconsin. JT and I have been there. We, we enjoyed our time uh, oh, in awesome. Madison. Yeah. Always a great time up there. Uh, hopefully the Buckeyes uh, do not have a letdown. And I think Ryan Day called it competitive stamina. Let's hope that yeah. their competitive stamina is at a high level uh, on Saturday night and they come home with a victory, all right? Yep. All right, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds great. Mm-hmm. Steve Howwagon, Bucknuts.com, uh, checking in with us and giving you his thoughts on last week's win over Penn State, Wisconsin, and the Michigan, uh, as he's calling it, mm-hmm. alleged spy scandal. Right, right. Uh, and, and it's funny, too, because it wasn't mentioned that way on their webpage. And I said it. You, cor- you both corrected me, and it is alleged until we figure something else out. But I'll tell you. 